0: Welcome to the What's Next podcast with Tiffany Bova. Tiffany is a top-rated speaker, thought leader, and sales and marketing influencer known around the world as an industry visionary. Today, she's using her 20 years of sales experience to help companies focus on creating a high-growth culture while adapting to the new realities of the market. She's always asking herself, what's next?
1: Hi, this is Welcome to the What's Next podcast. I am thrilled to have today Roger Martin, who is the former dean of the University of Toronto's Rotman School of Management. He was just named the most influential business thinker by Thinkers50. He is a strategy advisor to CEOs worldwide and the author of 10 books, including Playing to Win, Getting Beyond Better, and his new book, Creating Great Choices, which follows up on his 2007 bestseller, The Opposable Mind. This is really an honor for me, really, because Playing to Win and Opposable Mind both have helped me as I was shaping how best to help clients over the years. So, Roger, thank you for being with me today.
0: Oh, well, thank you for liking my books. That always makes an author feel pretty happy.
1: Yeah, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's always great. I, I tend to consume quite a bit of content. And when I read a book and, and, you know, if we were on video, you'd see, you know, it's totally dog-eared and highlighted <laughs> and written in notes down the side. I mean, that's always a good sign.
0: It is, it is indeed, I like that.
1: Well, we're gonna start this off with something I I hope you find fun. I call it bullish and bearish, and it's just a way for me to get, uh, you know, loosen up the guests and kind of get the juices flowing, and so it's nothing hopefully too painful, but uh, are you ready?
0: I am ready for action.
1: All right, so the first one, bullish or bearish? Socially conscious CEOs will be able to win over Wall Street. cautiously bullish good cautiously bullish yeah i like that good i'll take that uh that's a, that's a good answer I, I, when someone asks me i'm going i think i might borrow that all right the next one um uh, ai and machine learning becoming wealth managers bearish Ah, interesting i want to dig into that one that's a good one mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, there was a lot, I know you do a lot with the World Economic Forum at Jack Ma talking about the fourth industrial revolution and obviously your work uh, in the education system for as long as you have been, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pivot a little there on this one. So this is new innovation will require new education systems, bullish or bearish?
0: Well, I'm bullish on the premise. Yes, that will require it. I'm bearish on the education system's ability to respond. Uh, it's not responsive enough uh, a sector, unfortunately. a block full of good-hearted, well-meaning people, but not good at uh, at changing. So the premise is absolutely right, bullish uh, ability bearish.
1: yeah, and I, you know i I uh, well, thank you for those that that was great. Um, you know I'd have to agree i I am a listen visual learner, not a read learner, you mm-hmm. know and I didn't do good in school because of that. You know, there was no sort of option then. I went to college right. in, the, in the middle '80s, right? There was just no option for me yep. to sort of learn a different way.
0: Sorry to hear that. There, there, <laughs> multiple kinds of intelligence are so now so appreciated more now than they were uh, were then.
1: Yeah, and I think uh, you know it really goes into uh, you know what you dug into. In a, I'm going to start sort of with a posable mind because I think it's just fascinating about these. Kind of thinking styles, et cetera. But before we dig into that, I, I think that a lot of it has to do with just the premise of strategy. So if you don't mind me starting there, I'd love to hear your definition of what strategy is, and more importantly, uh, you know to take from playing to win, you know what it isn't.
0: Sure. Well, s- strategy is about making choices. It's making choices about where you're gonna play. So where on the potential playing field you're gonna plop your, assets down and how you're going to win in that place uh, and and because of that everybody has a strategy so entrepreneurs will say oh i don't do strategy no it, you can't not have a strategy strategy is the choices that you've made uh, and and often therefore your strategy has nothing to do with your strategic plan like for most companies, they have a strategic plan and that's irrelevant, completely irrelevant. It's different than their than their strategy, because strategy is what you do, the choices you have made to position yourself in a certain place and to compete in a certain way. And I encourage encourage people to be pretty damn conscious about that because it will determine so much about uh, uh, what will happen to your organization, whether it is a for-profit or a not-for-profit or, or the like. Every organization uh, has a strategy. Every person has a strategy. You know, Tiffany, you choose to spend time doing some things and not other things. That's a where-to-play choice. And then you have a way that you try to do the things that that you choose to do better rather than worse. That's the Tiffany Bova Strategy. Uh so everybody's got a strategy. It's your choices. And it and I don't care about long hundred page, five hundred page plans that talk about a whole bunch of mega concepts. Who cares? Strategy is where to play, how to win. And the aspiration, why you're doing that, and then how you're how you're gonna do that.
1: Yeah, and I think the how would be the execution side. And of course, you know, the the age old, you know, what's you know, what's more important, sort of strategy and execution. Um, what's, what do you think is more important there? I mean, once you make the choices, right, then you've got to go and do, so.
0: Yeah, that, to, to me, uh, Tiffany, and this is, this is something where I'm in a, in a tiny minority, I can't, seem to, I, I can't seem to have my view prevail on this, is I don't think it's a helpful distinction that distinction between strategy and execution. So I have a strategy, now somebody's gonna have to go and, and uh, execute it. In fact, whoever you turn to to say, this is my strategy, now you go execute it, has the same job as you do. It's to make another set of choices. And they're actually exactly the same. So let let let's just make this up. I'm the CEO, and you're the you're the uh, the uh, president of the widget uh, business. And I say, well, the overall corporate strategy is to kind of win in the kind of the developing markets by having having more distinctive products than than our competitors and investing more in in kind of R&D and branding than our competitors. Uh, so just go execute that, Tiffany. Well, Tiffany has got to sit there and say, "Okay, I make widgets." Uh, and I'd like to I'd like to win through r and d and branding and 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 focus more on the developing developing uh, uh, markets. Let's see which developing markets. what does what does uh, kind of r and d actually mean in my in the widget business as opposed to the grommet business and the and the doodad business that 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 the company also uh, has? You have to do the same things as I did as, as, uh, as CEO. So why do I call it execution?
1: Yeah. And I think that's a great point because, you know, it's interesting. I've never heard someone like you just say that. <laughs> and no, then,
0: it's true. Right. That's, I mean, yeah. Minority,
1: yeah, but, but. I think the I think where my distinction lies is that it usually is that trickle down of execution happens you know somewhere else in the organization okay. yes choices need to be made um and so my follow up question to that was actually going to be you know I-, I see that the gap between the setting of the strategy and the choices that are being made around really where are we going to play like the big choices right not the potentially tactical choices or day-to-day choices but the big strategic choices Um, and the gap between that strategy and execution you know the setting of the direction and the choices that are made all the way down to the person who's actually executing what that is you know go sell widgets in you know this zip code you know that's what I'm going to go do, right? And so I'm out executing. That the gap is getting bigger. Would you agree? Only
0: because of that definition, right? Right. If in fact you told that person in uh, uh, in who's who's selling widgets in in that zip code, here's what we're trying to accomplish. I've made this set of choices, and now I need you to make a set of choices. Who in that zip code? Would be prime prospects. How do you want to divide your time between various people in that zip code who you might sell to, and how are you going to be distinctive against the competitors who are selling in that in that uh, in that zip code? Now, bear in mind, I've made a set of choices, and I would sure as hell rather have your choices be consistent with mine, because otherwise there won't be many resources to help you, because we've sort of tried to line up our resources to to sell to these kind of people and, these, and, and, and win in these ways. But I think the strongest organizations are the ones that implicitly ask everybody to make the same kind of choices. Everybody needs to make the choices of where to play, how to win. And again, it gets to a personal level, right? Anybody that's at your level in an organization, Tiffany, has got a job description that if you actually held them to it, they couldn't possibly do. Right? It'll list. It'll list enough to do 120 hours a week at.
1: <laughs> right. You know, right. Like,
0: <laughs> let, let's say you're just an executive. You're an executive vice president of marketing. You're supposed to do blah 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 blah. blah. There'll be a long list that the, the, the HR would have for your for your duties and And you get to like two of them (laughs) yeah but but if if you randomly picked or tried to do a little bit of everything that's on the list of the list of required duties you'd suck you'd be a jack of all trades and a master of none and you wouldn't be customizing to to the specifics of right now 2018 what does the company need right now so you make a where to play how to win choice you focus on some things within the overall portfolio of executive vice president marketing and you do that in a way that hopefully you're adding more value than you would if you focused elsewhere uh, or spread your spread your resources. So people should just get used to the notion that everybody, every day, is making choices, and they have to be guided by a, a concept of strategy. And the tricky thing, the reason why there's this quote gap between strategy and execution, is because there's a conceptual. A kind of uh, misfire uh, there. There is no good definition of execution that 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 enables it to be distinctive of strategy. If it were, it would be choiceless doing. So strategy is choice. Execution is something else. It must be choiceless doing. It's not, right? You you need to make have people make choices. And the closest company that I'm aware of that 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 acts in a fashion that's consistent with my my view on this four seasons hotels where they understand that there are so many interactions with a guest in a given day by so many people they need to have thoughtful decision makers The bellhop has got to be a thoughtful decision maker. The person who delivers your luggage to the room has to be a thoughtful decision maker. The concierge has to be a thoughtful decision maker. They all have to be thoughtful decision makers because there's too many possibilities to program it in up front. You know, what, you know, you just execute bellman. Well, the reason that people pay out a stupid premium, I do on a routine uh, basis for four seasons is is because there are strategy choice makers that interact with you at ev- every point who say, you know what, this is what would be the right thing to do at, at this. They're guided. They're guided by a, a, a concept of service that's in the core strategy of Four Seasons. They're helped out by the fact that Four Seasons doesn't build known hotels. It just manages hotels, so it can concentrate uh, on that. But within that, Four Seasons knows and the people know right down to the bottom that they make choices and they got to make them great or people aren't going to pay <laughs> the ridiculous price premium that they that they charge. It's not ridiculous. I pay it happily.
1: Yeah. And I think you've, so I, I, I'd i almost define it. You have the kind of the CEO choice, the frontline choices, right? And, um, those two things. But, you know, one thing that, that rang true as you were giving that story is, Uh, that if you're going to, you know, if you're going to have a gap, you know, between the executive level and the frontline people, you know, let's just say that it isn't, it it has everything to do with uh, empowering them to make the right choices within sort of the core brand persona, right? So Four Seasons, as an example, their brand persona is all about, you know, top level customer service. It's about the experience. You know, the the brand is able to charge a, a premium for that, which means everybody who works there, you know, from housekeeping to the bellman to the front desk to anyone, they're always in that core cultural lane. And so their decisions are always bouncing back to the true north of, is the decision I'm about to make satisfy our brand promise?
0: absolutely and th- and and so the sort of the structure of an organization that i that i uh, aspire to uh, aspire to see requires that st- strategic clarity from the top if you don't have that at the top everything else everything else will be will be fuzzy and 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 again the reason for having a, a conscious strategy is because in the absence of a clear strategy You cannot tell in advance, you have no way of knowing in advance what's a great choice, what's a mediocre choice, and what's a wretched choice, right? After the fact, you do know because customers respond, the marketplace responds, and you say, oh, my God, kind of what were we thinking? Or often from the outside, what were those morons thinking Uh, on a bad choice? The chances are they aren't morons and they were actually thinking, but they didn't have a strategy. And so... You can without a strategy and a strategy sort of forms a kind of objective function, if you will, without that objective function, like, you know, if you're doing linear programming, you cannot, you cannot maximize uh, uh, something unless you have an objective function. So if you have no strategy, you can do anything. And that's what that's what most modern American companies, global companies, but uh, like if we were talking about American companies, like only a small fraction of of uh, of American companies have a strategy we're shaking a stick at. The the average quality of strategy in in the Fortune 500 would be, you know, sort of somewhere between a B minus and a C plus. Uh, And so that's why you have all these layers of management, sort of adding useless bureaucracy and making decisions that are hard to hard to. Uh, fathom and having more people than is necessary—all of those things are just a result of if you don't have a strategy, you know anything sounds sounds uh, uh, good at the uh, at the time. And unlike that, and in Four Seasons, as you correctly point out, they they know what Four Seasons is trying to accomplish, and then they know that they have to make decisions within that framework and that context. But their decisions. Just like, you know, Izzy Sharp, uh, you know, the founder of Four Seasons, he wasn't unconstrained. People say, oh, well, the CEO can do whatever he or she wants. No, they can't. They've got to raise capital. They have shareholders. They've got laws and regulations. They're constrained, too. Everybody's got constraints. It's just decision-making under constraints and uncertainty. Everybody in the organization does it. Don't call some people executors. It's insulting and stupid. Uh, Everybody is a a decision-maker.
1: Well, so now I'm going to pivot a little bit because if you have, uh, you know, playing to win, we've chose we we now are in the decision making process, and I have two opposing ideas. <laughs> <laughs> really? Uh, yeah, I'm going to lead you right to the water on that one, Roger. Uh, so you have two <clears throat> opposing ideas, right? There's strengths mm-hmm. in both, and mm-hmm. so now it's a which which one is better? Is the normal response to I have to choose you know on the right. negative side cut jobs cut expenses on the positive side you know hire more sales hire spend more marketing dollars you know whatever it might be yep and so you you land yourself in this execution trap to use your term mm-hmm. um, and so you know really getting into the uh, you know the opposable thinking uh, maybe step through how people can navigate this either or and and look at it differently
0: Sure. So, and and you're and you're uh, you know pointing square at something that people often think is a is a contradiction in my work, where I say strategy is choice, and then they say in, a, uh, in an opposable mind you say uh, when you're facing a choice don't, right? Um, but uh, but what what uh, what the the thesis of the opposable mind is is that we. We default pretty quickly when facing what appear to be either-or choices and no available obvious other answers. To say, hmm, guess my job is to make a choice. In fact, you're taught that in business school. See, you, you are lucky, uh, Tiffany. You didn't, you didn't uh, go to the uh, <laughs> MBA. If you would have, you'd have been taught when faced with a choice like that, the 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 you know, the bold manager, the 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 prudent manager says. Gosh, darn it, I'm going to make a choice. Even though I don't like a whole bunch of, of uh, uh, A, it's on balance better than B, and so I will, I will uh, do A because that's what you're supposed to do. What I want them to say is, you know, lots of life, A is just like way better than B. You can find an A way better than B, and you just like, don't be a fool, pick A. But every once in a while, there's an important choice, for your organization, for whatever part of the organization that you're in charge, whether it's a little department or the whole the whole thing, uh, where it's a really painful choice because you just know that something, that you're going to have to give up something that you really, really want in A to uh, if you choose B and B if you you, you choose A, like a C-sharp. First, to, you'd be surprised to know, Four Seasons first, uh, uh, uh uh, property was a roadside motor in uh, little motel 125 room little motel rooms are $15 a night imagine that um, and Izzy Sharp loved 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 the intimacy and comfort of that small uh, roadside motor uh, uh, motor hotel motel model um but he didn't like the fact that with only 125 rooms and low prices you couldn't afford many amenities so you couldn't have teleconference facilities you couldn't have workout facilities maybe at a restaurant maybe you had a pool but that's about it and then he built a big city center 1600 room city center hotel and he loved the fact that with that 1600 rooms you could you could attract the kind of clientele that would pay higher rates, and you'd have more more to fund the common areas and have all these uh, amenities. But he hated how big, cold, and impersonal it felt. There's a real choice: Do I go with small, intimate, give up the amenities? Do I go with large and uh, impersonal, and and uh, uh, get the amenities, but get, but give up that warmth? And what I say is in situations like that where it's painful, the great ones say, eh, not making it, sorry. Even though the two models in the industry right now are 75 to 150 room motels and 750 room and bigger city center hotels, sorry, not doing it, not good enough. And you create a solution that is that contains elements of each but is better than than both it's not a compromise it contains elements of each is better than better than both and in the case of four seasons what he said is you know actually if i think about guests in in uh, these these hotels especially the the luxury hotels which he was interested in the high end from from the from the start is they don't actually want to be there even though it's a luxury hotel they don't want to be there why where would they rather be, do you think, Tiffany, than in a, in a luxury hotel somewhere?
1: Probably home. <laughs>
0: <got it>. Number <laughs> right. one, home. And number two, because lots of them are type A executives at the office. They'd prefer that because they're more productive there than in a hotel room, but they'd love, love first be at, at home. So I said, why don't we redefine service to not be luxury service, to not be grand architecture and decor and obsequious service, Let's make it as an environment that makes up for what you left at home and at the office. And if we do that, they'll pay us a huge price premium, which will enable us to have hotels in the 250 to 400 room uh, uh, range that will be smaller and more intimate, but we'll be charging them so much we'll have every amenity known to mankind because we make so much uh, money. That's what I call integrative thinking. And, it, and when I studied a whole bunch of, of highly successful leaders, it's the thing that they all did. Right? It was the only common feature. They could have any kind of educational background—men, women, nonprofit, you know, Indian, whatever. Doesn't matter. None of that mattered. Uh, what, what mattered is when faced with those kind of choices, they said, "That's a signal. <laughs> That's a signal from, uh, you know, he- the heavens that says, don't choose, create."
1: Well, you know, two two things that jump to mind for me on that, right? If you've got, okay, now I'm, you know, I've got execution and strategy. I've got two opposing things. I have to make a decision. I understand this this uh, true north for my company. So I'm making the deci- those decisions in that way. And now you're, you know, listening to this podcast and you've gone, wow, you know, this, you know, to hear somebody like Roger Martin, right, say from the School of Management that, yeah you know, I'm the only one that thinks this way. And they kind of go, I never looked at this way. And now they say, I actually want to approach things differently. What, what would be what you would, you know, recommend besides reading your two books, which I highly recommend both of those, but, you know, besides that, um, you know, I want to try and shift the company where my, you know, my next management meeting, and I want to get people to start to think about, it isn't, it isn't the, you know, one or the other. It's the opposing ideas and the strengths of both, and how do we do that? And that it's really a series of choices, and how can we pull everyone, you know, in the rowboat in the same direction? Uh, what would be your advice to to people listening to the podcast to absorb everything you just said, and then what would be their kind of Monday morning action, if you will?
0: Uh, it would be follow Gandhi. <laughs>
1: okay, that's not what I expected, but all
0: right. Uh, be the be. Be the choice. Uh, you know, uh, be the thing that you want to have happen. Uh, be the change. So start just acting that way. Right? Don't go telling people we're going to do integrative thinking. Lots of my students who love love me and love love integrative thinking go and tell people I'm going to do integrative thinking now. Or they say we got to be strategic about this. Don't. Just be it. Just ask. Hey. You know, I know there's only two ways that anybody does this in the, in, in the industry. What if we kind of, you know, hmm, what if we just thought for a little bit longer and say, our goal is to get an answer that's actually superior to both? And what could we mine from these, these great things, the motel model and the hotel model? What can we mine from that uh, to produce a better choice? Don't tell them you're doing integrative thinking. Just, just do it. You don't have to tell people, oh, well, we we got to stop and do strategy now. You say where where really like what what are the boundaries of where we want to play? Why are we playing over there? And and can we actually win over there, or or could we win more over here? Just just be the change, right? You're thinking strategically. You're thinking like an integrative thinker. You're acting that way, and people will follow you and and often in my own experience that's that's the way i do i don't go and preach okay now we're all going to agree on what strategy is i just go and say well what what's the problem we're trying to solve here oh okay why are we doing that why are we over there and after a while people tend to say uh you know observant ones sort of say uh like roger i've been watching you for a while and you're doing something i say well uh, you know actually i am can you well, wh- you know, what are you doing? I remember Rob Harvey, the executive vice president for design at Herman Miller at the time said, Roger, you're doing something and you're not telling me what you're doing and it's working. So I want to know. And so I said, well, <laughs> well, Rob, it's this set of questions that I asked because I'm interested in these, thing- these things and whatever. But guess what kind of a student Rob Harvey was at that point? One eager student, right? Because he, wa- he was asking I wasn't telling, he was asking, he wanted to know why. And that's my advice. Don't be a smarty pants, don't be a, I've got a new mega concept and I'm gonna teach you that. It's just be the change you seek to have happen Uh, and good things will follow.
1: Well, I can't wait to see the next MBA class have an entire semester on Gandhi. (laughs) <laughs>
0: well, I mean, if if if, if you if you read, as you read my stuff, you'll see there's a bunch of that. Then Aristotle, like like I I think Aristotle is is the most important uh, person uh, to uh, uh, to read to become a a great business person strategist.
1: Well, I it's think very- it goes back to one of those bullish and bearish questions, right? I think if they teach Gandhi or even Aristotle in the MBA class, we'll have more socially conscious CEOs as they as they mature coming out of MBA school, yes. probably. Yes, Probably. indeed. Right. Well, you know, I I can't think of a better thing to end on than some Gandhi. I mean, <laughs> I, I I never thought that that's you know what we'd get from uh, from Roger, but it has really been fantastic. I I so appreciate your time and your insights and and sharing the the less um, appreciated view on strategy and execution and the opposable mind. It just was it was really a pleasure to have you and and I and I thank you uh, for your time.
0: Oh, it's my pleasure. I, I, I must say, I love the way you conduct this, this, this conversation. I would be happy to come back and do it again.
1: What I loved most about that conversation is that I've got a dean of a business school, one of the leading thinkers in the world, who absolutely goes against conventional thinking. He stops and says, I don't think there's a difference between strategy and execution. You really have to think about taking opposing ideas and making them work as one using multiple thinking styles in order to come up with the best answer. It's just this wonderful combination of all these great things that make companies so unique and different. And at the end of the day, he's just all about no lazy thinking allowed. Love it. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Roger on the What's Next podcast. Please subscribe, tell your friends, and I look forward to seeing you or hearing from you soon. Thanks and have a great day.